Ani Potter, how are you doing today, sir? I am doing great, Joey. Thank you very much uh, for having me on here, and I appreciate it. You know, I'm I'm a little bit ashamed of myself. I don't know if it's my fault or yours. We're, we'll figure it out, I think, here. But I, I think you're the one of the people that I've known the longest that I have yet to record a conversation with, and I just I don't know what to say about that. Uh, the <laughs> thank you for being so gracious. Uh, I will take the fault on myself. I am much to blame. In fact, I'm the one to blame. So thank you for being gracious for that. No, no, no. I mean, it's just, it's like weird. It's just something like we've never actually documented a conversation between you and I, and I feel, I feel somewhat ashamed of that, but I think we'll work through it. I think we can make up for lost time here today and, and uh, have a lot of fun. So, I mean, what's going on? What's going on in your corner of, of insurance and, and what are you excited about right now? Thank you for asking. Um, I feel that insurance agencies are doing some great work. They are definitely responding to the change in buying habits. They are definitely cognizant of the changing digital landscape, be their online social media presence or even the channels they're using to communicate. So all said and done, I feel that agencies are definitely very responsive. It is showing in their numbers and a definite positive energy all around amongst the agencies. You know, one of the things that always fascinated me about Marblebox uh, was that you you guys kind of get to see, you have a whole kind of picture of, you know, what agencies are doing well and maybe not so well, or just, you know, processes that seem to work better with, you know, you guys getting tasks done maybe more efficiently. And and again, you get to see that kind of broad scope. I mean, what, what are some of the things that you are seeing agencies do that, that are really, uh, I don't want to say working well, but just continue to improve and iterate on, on ways to be, be more effective and serve those changes? Great question. Great question. Firstly, I think that uh, most agencies, if not all, are aware that times have changed. Most agencies, if not all, have realized that the demographics of their end customer has changed. I don't want to necessarily say it's the millennials making the buying decision. I don't want to necessarily say it's a different income level or a different uh, mindset making the decision. Rather, I'll say it's it's change. Uh, what are agencies doing well versus where could they be taking this? I feel that it's the visionaries. I feel it's the agency owners who understand that they need to be better at customer experience and that they need to be a sales engine. And what I mean by that is agencies traditionally, once they have written a policy, they are comfortable knowing that this will renew with them. I don't know if that's being taken for granted anymore. They, they understand that they need to be more mindful of protecting the insured's assets and they are definitely being more proactive in having more meaningful and engaging conversations with the insured. Yeah, I mean that that that's interesting. Uh, I would say that that kind of awareness or or the the not expected renewal anymore. I think I think that's slowly. I think there's still a lot of it. it just from my you know, I think I think some of those visionaries. I think those people that you know kind of get it. They're saying, well, I can't take this for granted any longer. You know, one thing that also fascinates fascinates me too is the fact that you know we complain a lot about automation 
and the lack thereof or the lack of interconnectivity within certain platforms. But there, there are a lot of options to uh, manually automate those things that I think go unutilized. And 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 have you? What what are some of the what are some of the maybe more simple things you know that you kind of see agencies say, hey, this is like the most simplest thing, but it's moving pile A to pile B sort of thing, just to to make those connection points that don't exist currently. What, have you seen anything that that's kind of fascinating from that end? Again, great question, Joey. I I, I really appreciate how you uh, how you tease out the real movers amongst all the noise over there. So so thank you. Yeah. So Joey, before I answer automation or manual automation, which that was a great word, manual automation. It doesn't make sense, uh, but I think I think everyone knows what we're, we're talking about. Yes, absolutely. Uh, absolutely. Uh, it's like a jumbo shrimp. <laughs> exactly. Yeah, it's jumbo shrimp. Manual automation. Yeah. So, so Joey, before we talk about automation, let's let's take things into perspective. 30, 40 years ago, when the first computer was introduced and the typewriter faced a severe threat, I am sure that change was difficult, where things had been done in a traditional way. Um, there were big, huge filing cabinets. There were lots of people touching that same piece of paper, and it all worked well. And then, of course, there's a disruptor called the computer, which uh, some people had reservations about. Fast forward today, yeah. I don't yeah. think there's any agency or any business which runs their business only using a typewriter and fax machine. Really going on a limb there, Adi. Thank you. Yeah. Thank you. Um, thank you. So with that automation being what it is, um, I don't know if all automation is disruptive or unwelcome. So manual automation follows the same trajectory, the same curve, where the value addition in a given process is important. The customer experience revolves around FaceTime, around conversations, such that the heavy lifting can be done by a manual automation service provider. And one of those processes could be as simple as recoating, where if there's a premium increase, it makes sense for it to be recoated. What if there is no premium increase? Should it still be recoated? And maybe save the insured a couple of dollars? Absolutely, yes. So that's where I think manual automation really brings home some good advantages. Yeah, no, I mean, I love the recording and that's one of the things we've talked about that for years as far as just even like, you know, just packaging that as like a thing. And, you know, I, I'd be curious what kind of stats there are, but uh, even even just uh, I personally, just even quoting it to, to, to remove all shred of doubt, you know, people have like, hey, 10%, 15%, whatever the numbers are. I mean, I, I don't know what, you know, if you if you run the numbers as far as ROI, but I mean, just saying, hey, listen, we did the work just to make sure here, you know, you, you've got you've got the information and and to always have that in your back pocket to to always have your client feeling the best possible about their current insurance situation. I mean, that that's a pretty important thing that I think, you know, is, is very real is a very realistic possibility that people kind of maybe dismiss too easily. Joey, it's interesting that. Uh 
you brought up the obvious numbers, which is the threshold of increase of 10 or 15%. Do most agencies request us to recote along those lines? Answer is absolutely yes. So you hit the nail on the head with that number. However, from experience, we have found the best practice agencies saying, hey, whenever a policy comes up for renewal, just go ahead and recote it for me. Worst case scenario, there was no premium increase and we did not find any cost savings either. Yeah. Best yeah. case scenario, uh, if we place the risk elsewhere, we might save some money. At any rate, this recoating process allows the agency a much needed opportunity to get on the phone or FaceTime with the insured saying, hey, good news, there was no premium increase, or better news, we're actually saving you some money. That's, that's an easy part of the conversation, Joey. The, the real deal is understanding what are the changes that, that have happened uh, as far as the insured is concerned, what other assets need to be protected, and or um, just making sure that all the loose ends are tied. Yeah, um, it's interesting that you say that, you know, that, um, you know, the best practice agencies, they're saying, you know, listen, I, I don't care. I do think there's just tons of value in because, you know, we look at a 10% increase and think, oh, it's only 10, you know, we know what, we, we have something to gauge that 10% against, right? But somebody that doesn't look at renewals all day, like, oh, whoa, hold on, this went up $5. Like, why am I, why am I paying, you know, even though it's $5, um, just having that in place, you know, whether, even if it's whether they recorded or not, or just having some sort of mechanism to communicate what that means. Um, versus letting them try to figure out for themselves because that $5 increase could eventually end up costing you several hundreds in commission because they assume that it was, you know, much higher than it, it needed to be. And maybe they do find something that's that's $5 cheaper. Maybe you don't want that person. You know, I can understand you don't want, maybe that's a client that if they're going to shop for two cents, you know, cross the street for to pick up a nickel sort of thing. I think that was a saying they used to say once back in the day. Um, you know, maybe you don't want that guy. I don't know. But, um, and, you know, you would you'd hit, hit, hit on the point of, you know, there's really more value to be had in that conversation than just communicating the, you know, the, the negligible or whatever the change is or whatever that situation. It, it is looking for higher value conversation points, whether it's cross-selling, whether it's, you know, making sure everything that is, you know, covered on the policy is, is up to date and, and up to speed. But what, 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 have you, what have you seen from some of those agencies that you do kind of look to as leading the pack? Um, what they've been able to do freeing up their time by not having to worry about, again, looking at the increased percentage if they're going to quote, it's just things that are happening running automatically again in the background, but you know, with manual forces behind it. What are, what are those things that they've been able to replace those, those tasks with? Joey, I have to compliment you. Your questions and uh, your, your, your thinking is, is definitely uh, very interesting. So thank you. When we talk about the lowest premium, when we talk about the negligible value of premium increase, that's a very important consideration where an agency needs to answer for themselves. Are they competing on price and price alone? As they say, if you live by price, yeah. you die by price. And as you said, uh, the insured is likely to go elsewhere to say $50 or $100, which don't get me wrong, uh, that is a meaningful amount, 
But the bigger conversation then comes around, are the assets well protected? Does the insured know why the $50 premium increase actually goes a longer way in ensuring that they can be well protected in the event of something unfortunate happening? And a big conversation that we have with best practice agencies as far as them utilizing their freed up time, like you said, is a simple question when they have the insured on the phone. Do you have an umbrella policy? Do you understand how an umbrella policy will be of great use if and when needed? So the summary of my answer on the time freed up is as the touch points of a particular manual process are reduced, it frees up time and resources for the CSRs at an agency to have more engaging conversations to watch out for the customer. You know, really quickly on that is a lot of the pushback is, well, they feel like it's it's like eliminating as opposed to replacing, you know, is, do you get a lot of that? Is there a lot of like, what is that answer to like, well, I need to be, I got it. That's part of my job that I'm building value. But, you know, how do you, how, how do you talk to somebody about increasing that value of that conversation versus just kind of continuing doing the thing that you've always done? So two or three responses to this. And I will start off by saying that change is difficult. Change is unwelcome. Joey, the only person who likes change is a baby with a wet diaper. Uh, or everybody else, including me, if there's a detour on my drive to the office, I'm freaking out. I, I need to figure out a different way. I do not like that. Change is difficult. The second response is, Marblebox is not in the business of taking jobs away. Marblebox is in the business of making agencies successful. And I want to bring home both of these points together by saying that as and when we help out an agency with manual automation, the intent is the time freed up for the other CSRs. They can be upselling. They can be asking for referrals. They can be more accountable if you will, of higher retention rates. But agency owners can then be visionaries is returning the favor, if you will, to the CSRs and saying, yes, what you are doing is, uh, is elevated. It's, uh, it's more sales oriented, if you will. And hence, you make more money versus having been doing the service work, which was your comfort zone all along. Yeah, is there, I would imagine back to like the change, because there are some people, this might also be like a, a underhanded sort of secret mechanism for identifying like your most valuable employees potentially, because there will be some those say, hey, no, I like pushing pencils, please give me more. And there will be others be like, oh, great, like I was losing my mind. I was about ready to jump out of a first story window and see what happens because, you know, I don't know. But, you know, what, what have, have you seen any sort of examples to where, you know, the employee kind of culture has changed in an agency when? That, that, that freedom has been introduced or that elevation has been presented? Yes. And the three factors, uh, the three levels, rather, I would say, where, uh, where this culture can be further sliced and diced are, A, how motivated is the agency owner for change? Which, again, goes back to the very first part of the conversation that you and I had. Should an agency be a lifestyle business or should they be responsive to changing buying habits? So the first one is, 
uh, agency owner or agency leadership motivation. The second part of the conversation then is the culture of the agency being open to change. And no, I'm not just talking about service work needing to be outsourced change, but how open are they to adopting new technology? How open are they to any other automation that will help them? Obviously, again, being a change which is disruptive, and I'm welcome. And the third, and and by far the biggest enabler of change, I believe, is the radio station WIIFM, which stands for What's In It For Me. So for the CSRs, for the account managers to have sincere buy-in, it makes sense for them to understand how is this going to benefit them. It could be as simple as them making more money. It could be as simple as them having a sales script by which they are able to overcome their hesitation of quote-unquote selling. And last but not the least, nobody likes rejection. So what happens when after the first couple of calls in which they have asked for umbrella policies and that call has not gone well, how is the agency leadership then responding to making them feel, okay, let's not think that uh, pushing paper was more comforting rather than doing what now needs to be done. I mean, those are, those are pretty you know, great ways to help kind of ease people in. Has there been any sort of just across the board implementation that you've seen with agencies that, again, because, you know, a lot of this is, you know, a little bit of a learning curve, right? Because in, in a lot of cases, that manual automation, you know, like you guys are learning how the agency does things and the agency is kind of learning how you do things. Is there is there ways to, you know, plug those things together to kind of reduce, um, I want to say as much as possible, but but to speak the language faster together? Wow. Wow. Um, to be able to speak the language faster and better. Yes, I think it comes down to change management. Quite frankly, change management can either happen as a threat, saying, hey, uh, we are doing this, whether you like it or not, or it can be a, hey, we are doing this to help you out. So my answer to that question will be to make the language better and faster. My answer to that, Joey, will be buy-in from across the board, which is where the real action happens. And I'm assuming it starts at the top, and a lot of times I'm assuming you're being approached by the agency owner, or is there some cases where you've had some agents or you know CSRs kind of just uh, reach out and inquire about, hey, what, what, would it, what would it be like to you know, make my job easier and, and, and allow me to, to do you know, more cooler things? It is very rare, if at all, that we are approached by a CSR. Yeah. We are either approached by the office manager or, or the agency leadership or somebody on the management team who, who understands the need for doing this. Yeah. And Joey, I want to be I want to be very clear in saying that the need is not around saving money. The need is around hey, there's a backlog of work. Hey, we are growing and I'm afraid that we are not doing all that we are supposed to be doing. 
or hey, we are we are growing, and and previously uh, I feel that we knew our customers much better, and now that is getting to be commoditized. Yeah, Marble Box, how can you help? So the conversation is never about hey, I need to save money. Can you help? That that's never the conversation. Yeah, because you know the other thing that always always fascinated me was is, you know there there's all of these options now to again replace a lot of that work that was never the first thing we were excited to get in the office to do right it's like oh man i can't wait to get in and process that car chains man i can't wait to requote that business that's gonna be fun um it's, it was never the top of the list it was always the bottom and some reason we have a very hard time wanting to let go of the bottom uh and i don't know exactly if it's a territory thing if we're just sniffing it out like whoa like this is my thing and i don't know is there is there maybe sort of an insecurity in that to where they don't maybe have confidence in, in in one somebody else doing it, or two just letting somebody you know collaborate on that business and that process as it's, it's always been their baby before. Yes, um, I could not have said it better uh, when you use the word insecurity. Could somebody do it better? I think that's a that's a second question. The first question that usually plays out in the CSR's mind is, if somebody else will be doing this, what do I do? Is that the reason for the insecurity? Answer is yes, uh, because there's a certain comfort in doing the change request. There's a certain comfort in doing the direct bill reconciliation. And that's, again, where I'll say the agency owner is as much to bring to the table responsible for bringing to the table in terms of, hey, here's a sales script. Hey, here's a sales training. Hey, here are some, um, here are some ways by which you can do the upselling conversation. And let's, let's take it one baby step at a time to address that insecurity, to address that fear of change, to address that fear of what if I fail? What if I completely suck at asking for referrals? Sure enough, the first couple of times will be challenging, which is where the insecurity finds a reason to stick around. But um, that's where the motivation to change also kicks in then. I need got two more questions for you. Uh, before we get out of here, where can people reach out to you, connect with you more, um, just have that, just kind of continue that manual automation conversation, if you will? Marblebox.com. Um, that's the best place to find out about, or at least to start to find out what is it that we do. Uh, secondly, um, talk within your agency first. Uh, feel the need. Is there a need for change? Uh, and if yes, um, reach out to us. Talk to some other agencies who are using similar service providers. See what they liked, what did they not like. Compare and contrast that with the need for change at your agency. And then reach out to us at marvelbox.com. All right, Ani, I got to know the answer to this question. And where do you see the future of kind of outsourcing and, and just integrating, you know, extra help outside of the office going? And what's, the, what's the thing that you are most excited about getting to um, and, and we're just maybe not quite there yet, or it's, it's right around the corner. Maybe even it's here and we just aren't quite aware of it and we just need to start thinking about it more. So firstly, um, 
my answer is an approximation uh, because if I could really tell what the future will hold, I, I guess I guess you certainly I, wouldn't be having this conversation. Right. right. I guess I would be a millionaire for a different set of reasons. Yeah. Um, where I feel the need for manual automation, where I feel the future of outsourcing is a the service provider needs to be a seamless extension to the agency where we need to mimic insofar as possible the culture of the agency. Second is the hiring practice and the composition of the work staff at an agency where they are primed to be on sales engine and delivering kick-ass customer experience. Bringing both of these together, I believe the future of outsourcing will strongly follow the future of insurance agencies as they become, or at least want to become more agile, more lean, and more customer focused. So I have very high hopes that agencies will continue to do better, have better profitability, and that is where outsourcing can and should add value to that. All right, Adi, last question for you, sir. We might have already answered it. I'm hoping not, but um, I'm curious. If it is, it's fine. But if you could tell every agency to stop doing one thing, not just like them stop doing it, but have somebody else, I guess, do it, um, that would in, you know, dramatically increase their productivity, just flow of, of business, whatever. What is that one thing? And I guess probably why. It would be a very easy answer for me to say, well, they should stop doing this one process. But then again, each agency is different. So I'm not going to to give a very uh, one-size-fits-all answer. I, I rather, I'll take a step back, Joey, and I'll say agency owners, agency leadership are in the business of running an agency, which by its very definition protects assets, uh, advises on the risk, and then brings solutions to mitigate the risk. So in short, I would say, if I were to suggest to agencies to stop doing, it would be to stop thinking that they're running a service center with needing to have a lot of warm bodies. Uh, think agile, think lean, think sales, think customer experience, think protecting the insured's asset versus, with all due respect, the grunt work or pushing of paper which is non-value added service work, important as it is, it does not bring home the bacon. 